Amen. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and your giving um, and your uh, responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. It's so refreshing to be a part of a body that listens and moves according to God's moving in their life. This morning I want to speak on a topic of blessings. And uh, I titled this sermon, Are God's Blessings Always Good? Our text this morning is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And that says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That pretty much encompasses everything. (laughs) For we know that in all things, not some things, not this thing, not that thing, what does all mean? I looked it up. It means all. It means all things. God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. Now, as we think about God's blessings, first of all, let's just be honest. We're all about blessing, aren't we? We're all about wanting a blessing. Nobody here will say, I will turn down a blessing. We all want to be blessed by God. There's no question about that, and there's no reason not to admit that. It's a good thing to want to have God's blessing in your life. It's no different than how we want to have our Father's blessing on earth, our earthly fathers. We're just born with a desire in us to want to have our Father's blessing. God, our Father, wants to bless us. Psalm chapter 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. We read that this morning at the beginning of our service. No good thing does he withhold withhold from those whose walk is blameless. So we're all about the good things of God. But what about it when things aren't so good? What happens? What do we think when things aren't so positive that we're experiencing? And I know that we all know what I'm talking about on that. We all have things in our life that we wonder why. Why, God? Where are those from? What's... What is the purpose of that in my life, God? Do they have a purpose? Or am I just unlucky, as the world would say, we're unlucky? I think we've all experienced those things. Either currently we're working through some some things, or in the past we've had some things in our life that we just don't really understand, and we really didn't feel that we were blessed by God. Well, this message today is about the blessings of God, and, and even in the times when we don't feel so blessed, I want to talk about those, and I want to understand what that really means. When I'm going through a hard time, does that mean that God's not blessing me? Does that mean that God is forgot about me, or I've walked out from underneath God, or, or what does all that mean? So we're going to talk today about blessing, but first of all, how do we define blessing? What, is defle- what does blessing really mean? If you look it up, the word blessing, it means in the Bible, in the concordance, that, God, it's, that it's God's help, God's approval, or something fortunate happens to a person. Or a situation. A blessing is something that we typically associate with an improvement in life, that is typically an improvement to my lifestyle. Things like happiness, physical, emotional joy and peace, spiritual improvement. But maybe you've got some other things. What what do you when when you think of blessing, shout out to me, what do you what comes what words come to your mind when you think about God's blessing? Healthy children is a blessing. Okay, what else comes to your mind? What's that? Hope. Great, hope. 
His grace, God's peace, yeah. His forgiveness. Yeah, a lot of good things come with God's blessings. What do you think about when you hear words like sickness, financial struggles, stress, heartache, loss of a job, death of a loved one? What comes to your mind when you hear about those words? Does God's blessing come to your mind when you hear about those words at all? What's that? Not immediately, <laughs> but hopefully. I read this quote regarding the definition of blessing. I'm not sure where I read it from, but I, I don't know the author of it, but I, I like it. It says, prosperity is the blessing of the Old Testament. Adversity is the blessing of the New Testament, which carrieth the greater benediction and the clearer revelation of God's favor. Prosperity is the blessing of the Old Testament. Adversity is the blessing of the New Testament, which carrieth the greater benediction and the clear revelation of God's favor. Now, what does that mean? Well, how could adversity be associated with God's blessing? Well, I think we have to take a look at blessing from a little different perspective. Maybe we need to take a look at blessing from an, an eternal perspective, the way God looks at blessings and the way God looks at things. See, God's perspective on my life it may be a little bit different than my perspective. Let's go back and ask the basic question first. Why did God create me? And what does he want from me? Why did God create you? And what does God want from you? Was it to satisfy some hidden need in God that God didn't have, that he didn't have that part filled, so he needed to create you to fill it? Was it because God was just bored? He was just hanging around in the universe, had nothing to do, so he decided to create you and me. He had nothing else to do. Does God need something from us, like our money, our resources, our time, our effort, our abilities? Or is there something more deeper, a deeper a meaning in that fulfillment of what God wants from a man? To answer that question, let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from him, hid from the Lord God among the trees in a garden. But the Lord called to the man and he said, where are you? Where are you? Well, this is interesting because first of all, we see God now not in heaven, but we see God walking on earth. God coming down out of heaven to walk in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. And he came down, I'm assuming, on a regular basis. Because Adam and Eve had sinned. They had eaten of the apple or eaten of the fruit, and they had sinned. And they were expecting God to come, so they were hiding from him. If God hadn't done that on a regular basis, they wouldn't be hiding. Because they wouldn't be expecting him. So I'm making the assumption that this must have been a daily activity. That every day, God must have come down in the cool of the day and walked with Adam and Eve in the garden and had a fellowship time with them. So really, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is I believe that God's intention for man was not because he needed my money or because he needed things from me. I, there was something that I wasn't, that he didn't have fulfilled 
that we were going to fill, I believe what he wanted from us is a very simple thing called relationship. That God wants more of a relationship from me than I can ever imagine. That the God, the creator of the universe, would think enough about Calvin and enough about Andrea and enough about Rip and enough about me that he would want a relationship with me and you. Now that kind of blows me away to think that. It's kind of hard to put my hands around the fact that a God so big could isolate me and say, I want a relationship with you, Mike. That's what I did. That's why I created you, because I want a relationship with you. And I believe that that is as faithful today as it was then. God never changes, nor does his desire. God never changes. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So even now we are in the New Testament era. We are thousands of years beyond that first walk in the garden. But God is still calling us into a relationship with him. That's why we are here. He wants relationship with us. So that's God's perspective. Now what's, what's man's perspective on life? Well, I think we, if we're all honest with ourselves, and by the way, it helps to be honest with yourself, don't fool yourself. Don't answer the question the way you think somebody wants you that you think somebody wants you to answer it. Answer the question honestly. It's always best when you do that. What is your perspective? See, I think we are tending to. Uh, maybe I'll speak for myself here. I'm tending. My my basic nature is short-term focused. In my flesh, I, I like what I can see and what I can touch and what I can feel and what I can, what I can get today. I, I like my immediate satisfaction. I'm not really comfortable. I don't really don't like to wait for things. I'm anxious for summertime to come. I'm anxious to go out and play golf again. I'm anxious to get out and do the things that I want to do because I'm just, that's my nature. I'm not comfortable a lot of times waiting for things. So in our flesh, we live for our selfish needs, don't we? That's just the way we are. We're wired that way. And it's not wrong to recognize that. It's better that you recognize that rather than to deny that. We live for our selfishness. That's who we are. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Beyond cure. Who can understand it? I mean, the heart is in the fleshly man after the fall. Wasn't, we weren't created that way, by the way. That's not the way God created us but it's a, re, it's a consequence of the fall that the heart has been turned evil. And that's the way we are today. So for man to forego the temporary pleasures of sin to take on a godly perspective, something must happen there. There must be a change in a man because I and myself do not relate to God's perspective of things because God's all about eternity. I'm all about today. I'm living in the moment. God is living in eternity. God doesn't really, I, I, I'm going to be careful. God cares about today, but he doesn't care about today any more than he cared about yesterday or any more than he cares about tomorrow. He cares about them all the same, where I am basically focused on my immediate short-term needs. And probably you are too. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't do some of the stupid things we do. If we really could see the long-term things, we probably wouldn't make some of the silly decisions we make because we, we could forego the pleasures of sin for the moment if we saw the consequence of that was going to be la bad later on. But sometimes we don't want to think about that 
Sometimes we just want to go in and enjoy the moment. Go for the gusto, right? But that's not God's perspective. So something had to happen. There had to be some crisis in a man or a woman to bring us to that point of change that we would then put away our viewpoint and take on God's viewpoint. And that moment of crisis is called salvation. That moment of of conflict where I was convicted of my sin and I said, Jesus, I can't do this on my own anymore. I see where I'm going is a dead-end path and I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and I allow his blood to forgive me of my sins. At that point in time, am I beginning to be rejuvenated and to become a new man in Christ? Now, I am saved at that moment, but there's a process that's going on in me of constantly sanctifying myself to getting more like Christ every day and more into him and more like him and more agreeing with his perspective. Because the moment of salvation is an awesome experience, but it's not long and the next day comes and we've got to go back to work. And we've got to face reality of life. And there comes the time where it gets a little bit hard. And uh, sometimes a thief on the cross, may he, though he, he may not have a lot of rewards in heaven because he didn't do much in his life to earn a reward, but at least he's in heaven. He didn't have to go through life after that perspective. But I'm all about today trying to uh, come across that we could get God's perspective and we could gain God's perspective and how we look at eternity and therefore how I look at my life and how now I look at the, at, at the blessings of God as to what truly is a blessing and what's not a blessing and how I relate that to eternity. So let's go back a little bit and how, let's go back to God's perspective. If God wants a relationship with us, then can we assume that he works on his end to develop it? Can we assume that he has the right to develop the relationship with us? If he created us for relationship, can we give him then the authority in our life to do what he has to do to develop the relationship? How does he do that? How does he do that? Well, is it possible that he allows some things to happen in our lives to remind us of his desires if maybe we've wandered from that truth just a bit. If maybe we, we, we got saved, got on fire for Jesus, we were all about Jesus, and somehow, somewhere in our life, maybe the distractions and the hindrances of life came and kind of got us off course a little bit, and Jesus comes along, God comes along, the power of the Holy Spirit comes along, and he tries to correct us through, through other convictions or tries to correct us through, through other ways, and maybe that's not helping and he allows something to happen in our life that may be not such a good thing, could that help us to get back on the road? Could that steer us back over where God wants to have us, maybe? Maybe so. But let's keep asking some questions. If God created us for a relationship with him, how long does he want that relationship to last? If God created the relationship, how long does he want it to last? Is he, is he just concerned about my 80 years on earth? Or is he concerned about eternity? To keep this in mind at all times. See, Adam and Eve were created to live forever, and it wasn't until sin entered into the world that death came into the world. So God, when God created Adam and Eve, he created mankind. His intention was for them to live forever, and that he would forever walk in the cool of the day with them. It wasn't ever in his mind that that wouldn't happen. He always wanted that relationship. 
when sin came in and broke that relationship with us, with him, between us and him, that became a chasm that we can't cross on our own. So, but that doesn't change God, see? God's desire is always the same. God wants a relationship with us to last forever. Is he concerned about our eternal dwelling place? Yes, absolutely he is. That's what he said. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I go, I'm going to come back and take you there, and it's going to be a great place. Does he want all men, or does he want just a few men to come to him? Does he want anyone to be separated from this relationship? No, he wants everyone to spend eternity with him. John chapter 12, verse 32. And I, Jesus speaking, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men, all people to myself. Oh, there's that word again, not some, not a few, but he will draw all men to him when he is lifted up. His purpose, his intent is for all men to come to him. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior, again, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So God's relationship purpose is for all people, not just for the special not just for the Pope, not just for the preachers, not just for the special people, for all people. Because you know what? You're all special in the eyes of God. He created you. He loves you as much as any other man in this, that he's ever created. He doesn't love any man ever, any more than he loves you. He doesn't love Billy Graham any more than he loves you, no matter what you've done. He loves you, and he wants us all to be saved. So how does God work to create relationship in our lives? Paul was a good example of this. Because... Paul was led through some difficult things. Sometimes God leads us through some areas. Rather than deliver us from them, he leads us through some areas as a way to get our attention, a way to make us stronger, and a way to pursue that relationship a little bit more with us. Paul, you would think about all the, the men that wrote the Bible, and you would think about the disciples, and you think about all those that were in the early church that walked with Jesus. If anybody was going to have an easy life, it should have been them. It shouldn't be me. Why do I deserve to have an easy life if they didn't have an easy life? Paul was a good example. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 14. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, at this point in time, Paul is in a Roman jail. He's writing to the Philippians, and he's in jail. And he's been in jail for quite a while, or he's either been on house arrest. But he's not free to do what he wants to do. He's been in bondage now for quite a while, and he's writing the book, he's writing this letter to the Philippians. And he said, as a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So here's a great example of Paul being in chains and having a great attitude of why he's in chains. Because of his attitude, the whole palace guard recognizes that Paul's here for a purpose. He's not here to grumble and complain about his situations. He's not looking for them to fall asleep so he can escape. He's not looking for a way out. He's looking as a way to live through this until God delivers him in it. But he's going about it with a great attitude so that he is a great witness and a great example for Christ. And as a result, his, his witness and his testimony has gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. Now let's apply this real quick 
to maybe something might be happening to you and I. Let's say that we're sick, and let's say that we have to go to the hospital. We've been prayed and prayed and prayed for healing, and maybe God doesn't heal me right now, but I have to go to surgery, and I have to go into that surgery situation. Does that mean that God has not answered my prayer? Does that mean that God is not hearing me? Or can I be like Paul and say, because I'm in the hospital, the nurses and the doctors are going to see of my great attitude and my great, my, my great faith in Christ that I'm there and I'm there for a purpose to win a nurse or to win a doctor for Jesus. So that the doctors and the nurses can boldly proclaim the gospel like the jailers did for Paul. See, I can take a look at those things in life and I can look at that adversity as either as, God, you forgot me, or God, you're working through me in this situation. That doesn't mean that God doesn't heal. That doesn't mean that he doesn't do miraculously what he says he can do. But I tell you what, I think it's, I think it's a type of a miracle when I cut my finger and I have blood coming out of my finger and somehow the bleeding stops and in a couple days that cut goes away. How does that do that? How does my body know how to heal itself? Can that be considered a healing? The, the body, God creates the body to heal itself. Whereas if I put a nick in this wood, if I, could have put a big, if I put a big gash in that wood right there, that gash is not going to heal itself. It'll be that way until Jesus comes back. And beyond, until it burns up. But my body, though, is created in the image of God. And my body then creates and heals itself because God is the healer. We don't give God credit for when he heals my nicks. And then he heals my bruises and my little problems. God heals all things like that. Let me give an example of how sometimes we think that blessings only come in good ways. Now, this is kind of a silly little example. Somehow we have got in our family situation a little tradition that whenever we have a special meal, Chris gives my, our kids an opportunity to say, what do you want me to fix? And most of the time, they'll say, Snickers salad. Snickers salad. Now, Snickers salad is made up of cut-up apples, whipped cream, and cut-up Snickers bars. Heavily emphasis on the cut-up Snickers bars. But we call it a salad. All right? And so we, we, we have that Snickers salad. Now, when I look at a salad, I typically think of a salad as spinach, lettuce, carrots, celery, broccoli, things that are good for me. But we want the snicker salad. And we don't call it a dessert. We call it a salad. That way we can eat more of it. You see, sometimes I look at God's blessings as God says, Mike, I want to bless you with a salad of life. And the salad is going to be the things that are good for you, not necessarily what tastes good for you. I may not like the vegetables in that spinach salad, but I know when I eat them, because of the way God created life, those vitamins and nutrients in that spinach is good for me. Now, the apple's good, but the Snickers not so much. If They've got peanuts, yeah, <laughs> But it's got a lot of other stuff along with that. So, so sometimes we're looking for the so sometimes we're looking for the snicker salad blessing, and God's saying, "No, I've got the spinach salad blessing for you right now, and you need this more than the snicker salad." So trust me, will you just eat what I put in front of you this morning? 
See, God's promise isn't always prosperity and the good things, even though God promises that. We've just come through three weeks of teaching on God's giving and, and faithful giving, and when we test God with our giving, God promises a reward and a return. We can, we can expect, we can want, we can desire the good things of life, and we should. But when he brings us the spinach salad, let's not turn up our nose at him and say, God, no, I only want the snicker salad. Sometimes we have to look at what is the thing that is before me, where is it leading me? In other words, we look at God's blessings typically as a new car, a new home, a new boat, a new trailer for vacations, a new job, a new career. Here's the question. Are they drawing me closer to Jesus or away from Jesus? That's a big question. Because if the new thing is drawing me further away from Jesus, even though it's a good thing, is it a blessing? Is it a blessing? Or is it a curse? See, remember, God's all about eternity. God's all about us wanting to spend eternity in heaven with him. Not that he doesn't want us to enjoy life. Not that he doesn't want us to enjoy the good things of life, because he does. But if I allow those good things of life to start leading me away from his eternal goal, which is heaven with him, then you've got to recognize that God's probably going to throw a little spinach here. He's probably going to throw a little bit of a negative here, in my opinion, because he's going to say, you're missing the mark a little bit, Mike. You're taking the thing that I've, been, that I've wanted you to bless you with, but you're letting it become me. You're, letting, you're putting it as an idol above me. That's why I asked before, sickness and, and, and stress and anxiety and heartache, and those don't sound like good things, but in all reality, those may be the biggest blessings in my life because those could be the things that get me back on track, put me back in that framework of, God, what's really important in my life? If it, if it draws me to my knees... It's a blessing. If it keeps me standing upright to walk away from God, it's a curse. If it draws me to my knees, it's a blessing. But here it is, guys. The choice is always ours. It's kind of what you said today in Sunday school, Jill, about your example of the choice. We always live with a choice. If I choose to take a look at my situations, if I choose to take a look at them and grumble about them and complain about them and, and be miserable over them, then the world sees me to be miserable, complaining, and a grumbler. If I take a look at the same situation and look at it and say, thank you, Jesus. I, I don't understand why I'm going through this right now, but thank you for it because I'm getting closer to you. I'm pressing through this with you. I'm, letting, I'm, I'm laying my life at the altar because I don't understand it but I know that you're in it for something for my good because you wouldn't bring nothing to me that wouldn't be for my good. And as I can start to look at life that way, all of a sudden, my perspective of blessings and curses change. And I don't, and maybe I stop chasing the almighty dollar all the time. Maybe I stop chasing the, the, the thing that would be politically correct or the, 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 the real popular thing to do. And I look at my life and say, God, you know what? I want to have your perspective. 
and your perspective is about eternity, your perspective is about me getting closer to you, Jesus, and I will put away the things of this world because I want you foremost and primary in my life, and I will do whatever it takes to get there because I don't want to be wanting or lacking in that area. And when we can get into that perspective with life, all of a sudden life takes on a new meaning. All of a sudden, I don't need that new car. I don't need that new boat. I don't need that new whatever it is because I see it to be what it is. I see it to be a distraction to me, not a, not a pursuer of Christ to me. And then I look at the things that aren't so good to be, wow, God, that's an awesome thing. Thanks for bringing it into my life because now as I walk through it, I'm stronger as a result. Not only am I stronger, but as you get through that, and by the way, you will get through that, then when you, get, when you do get through that, there's going to be somebody down the road that you're going to be able to help with your experience. God doesn't do things by accident. He doesn't do things because we're lucky or unlucky. Our text is, is, goes back to Romans 8, 28, and, for, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, we have the choice. The choice is we can allow adversity to make us better, or to make us bitter. It can make us better or bitter. And as we allow God's working in our life to make us better, understand he's got so much better in store for you. So much better that we can't even begin to describe what that better is. Our memory verse for this week and what our text for last week was 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And here's the, here's the scripture. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Man, that is a God's purpose right there for our life. It's laid it right out for us. And all we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is receive it. Jackie, if you'd come. I have more to talk about, but I want to cut to the core here. I want us to know that God is for us. And all he wants for us is his, to give us truly his blessing, not our blessing. Not, he wants us to have, he wants us to eat the spinach salad because he knows the spinach. He created the spinach for a purpose to make me strong. He created the Snickers to make me fat. He created them both. But as I will put my diet, as I will focus my diet on the things that make me strong, it may not taste real good. It may not feel real good. It may not give me that good sensation that that Snickers gives me, but I know when I eat that spinach, I know that it's achieving things for me that are far worth it. And this morning, I just want to open it up to people in their life right now. I don't know where you're at this morning. And I know we've already had some body ministry time, but I just want to, I just want to take the next couple minutes and I want to focus on what Jesus has in store for us this morning. Would you just close your eyes with me? Jesus, would you help us right now? Would you break down some barriers right now? Would you break down some walls? 
Holy Spirit, we're wanting you to work. We're allowing you to work right now. Bring us some conviction into our life, Lord. Well, maybe we haven't always wanted the best for us. This morning, if you have in your heart, if you're dealing with some things this morning that you just have to get off off your chest, this morning I would ask every eye to be closed. and, And I just want to offer this as a really serious time where the Lord is wanting you to recognize what he's put in your life to draw you closer to him not to push you away from him if you want to be closer to Jesus right now would you just lift your hand up and say Jesus I want that I see that hand I see those hands I see that now I'm going to ask you one more thing I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at and, and, and if you really want if you're really serious about this you're really serious about wanting this in your life today like you've never wanted it in the past would you come forward here and just join me at the altar. I want to pray with you. I want to take this time and I want to declare publicly that I am bold for Jesus. That I am not afraid to stand up. And I'm not afraid to say that Jesus, I need you and you alone. I'm not afraid of any man. I'm not afraid of any situation. I'm not afraid of anything that you put in my place because I know, God, that you put it there for a purpose and that purpose is for me to get better, not bitter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just worship the Lord and pray. Just worship him in Jesus' name.
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So this morning, as you go today, I want to give you this challenge that as you go through this week and as you look at the things in your life that you just don't understand why, that you would stop focusing on the why, God, and start focusing on your grace is sufficient, God. Stop asking why. It's not that God won't answer you, but that's not the purpose. The the purpose is his grace is sufficient for you. And as we start focusing and concentrating on on his sufficiency of his grace, the whys will get smaller and smaller and smaller, and his grace will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And therefore, your life will be more accomplishing what he wants, and that is to go closer to Jesus day after day after day. I want to be closer to Jesus today than I was yesterday, and I want to be closer tomorrow than I was today, and so on and so on and so on, so that when I get to heaven, so when my time comes, either through the the public rapture or my personal death, that I am so close to Jesus. He says, Mike, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. I've been anticipating this day of your arrival because you've been getting closer to me every day. That's the way we walk into heaven. That's the way we take heaven by storm. That's the way we go. We don't go in grumbling and complaining. We go in thanking Jesus because I'm closer today because of what happened to me is making me closer to you, not further. Amen. Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the way you're working. And Jesus, we give you the authority to work on our life any way you choose that you need to work on our life to make us better. And Lord, then we'll choose not to be bitter. You work And then we'll allow you to work in our life and we'll take your choice to choose to be closer to you today. So God, I pray that this promise would go to everyone that's hearing this message today, that this week would be a new week, that this would be a new time, a new beginning, and that we would have faith and strength and confidence to come back stronger next week than we are this week. And maybe the times aren't going to get any better. Maybe it's going to be a hard week. But we don't care about that because we're focusing on your grace and the sufficiency of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Be blessed this week.